Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about brine-based voodoo. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she/they pronouns. My name is Micah Silver, and I'm an elementary educator, and I use they/them pronouns. Today we are talking about 2002's Lilo and Stitch, sort of the last gasp of successful hand animation from Disney in the early 2000s. Before we see a bit of a, d- a downshift, before things turn to 3D animation. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite movies that we're going to watch. Probably, yeah. Lilo and Stitch has always this been. This was of an enjoyable one to have to watch multiple times. Yeah, no, it was. it's always been one of my comfort movies, and it was really nice to come back to. Although it's a heart wrencher, especially as an adult. I cried so much. As a kid, I was like, ha, oh, this is a fun movie about a blue alien. And as an adult, I'm like, Lilo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sums it up pretty much. Uh, if you've been living under a rock for the last 21 years, oh my God. I think I just did the plot, right? Blue yeah. alien, Lilo. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> I can't believe this movie's 21 years old. Oh, I know. God. That feels bad in that my body. feels very bad. Um, anyway, small blue alien crashes to Earth and gets adopted by a very autistic little girl and hijinks ensue. Right. They bond over not fitting in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. Micah, if you were to follow us on Twitter, where would you do that? You can follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. You could leave us reviews. That's super helpful on Apple Podcasts or you can follow us on Spotify do any of that weird stuff. I think we're in all the places. We're if you can get podcasts there. We're there. We're there. Anyway, thank you and enjoy. So I read the cutest book over spring break. Mm-hmm. It's like a young reader, but it's adorable. Uh, I read it because someone recommended it to me and thought it would be good for my kids. Except my kids can't do chapter books, so. Yeah. But uh, the main character is autist, is an autistic femme. Right. Which we love because there's a very little autistic femme representation. Right. It is also clearly written by an autistic author. Sure. The internal narrative was so spot on. It was great. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is how my brain works. This is funny. Yeah. And like had such good like autistic humor, like the like stupid little jokes that are just like not supposed to be jokes, but everyone finds funny because we just state a fact or something. Right. Like when this is a classic autistic joke is when somebody asks you to do something and then you say no, but you start doing the task anyway. Yeah. Every autistic person finds that hilarious and no neurotypical person does. It's really funny. (laughs) And I've been doing that bit my whole life and I never understood why people around me thought it was annoying because I think it's fucking funny. It's really funny. But it was great. It's called A Kind of Spark and they're turning it into a movie. Oh, okay. Which I'm super... St- it looks really cute. It's very Scottish. <gasps> it's very Scottish. Oh. Uh, but the whole like idea of the story is they start learning about the witch hunt and she's got to be in like fifth or sixth grade. Like sure. She's fourth or fifth. She's young. Um, and she gets really like, we should make a plaque for all the dead witches we killed. Sure. Because they were just different like me and right. everyone killed them. Yeah. 
And so she like fights and she's got a really horrible teacher. Like her teacher is awful and her sister is also autistic and uh, is in college and dealing with burnout. And like, yeah, it's really good. And just like one of those like sweet, like it's one of those stories where like, it's about autism, but it's not about autism. Right. And it's just like, I read it and was like, you sent it to my parents. You should read this. This is how my brain works. Right. Speaking, like, it's funny how many of these movies, like, you and I were texting back and forth that of all the, like, autistic main characters in Disney movies, this is, like, Lilo is maybe the most autistic autistic main character we've had in a disney movie like move over bell uh lilo's got pictures of fat people all over her wall i see your books and i raise you (laughs) pictures of fat people someone should have checked on me sooner for how much i loved lilo yeah like how much i connected with lilo i was like oh no i get it that's right. cool. Yeah. Of course you take pictures of tourists. They take pictures of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, she's so autistic and she's so like the whole Pudge the Fish bit. The whole Pudge the Fish bit. Like she just wanted to stick to her routine and they right. were out of peanut butter. Right. And then, yeah, of course she has a meltdown because right. the, the routine is wrong. And so she has to do a bunch of ep- extra steps to make the routine. Right. Right. Yeah. And then she has to explain it and people are being rude. And then fucking yeah. Myrtle was just like, of course, like I really do appreciate that the like quote unquote, uh, like antagonist of her friend group is the rich white girl. And yeah. like, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's true. Right. That's good. I do think it's fun. The since we're talking about that, like I think the racial politics and dynamics in this movie are really interesting. Yeah. Especially from the sort of like native Hawaiian versus like tourist and like white population mm-hmm. difference. Like there's a deleted scene that has been going around TikTok yes, where I love one, it. <laughs> yeah, where people are like, you know, being sort of tourists are being sort of outwardly racist. Yeah, because she's like an obvious Hawaiian native, and uh, yeah, it's just really interesting that like that stuff doesn't seem to like register for her a lot. No, I even though it's like clearly very thick in the air around. It is. And I think part of it is she's on a, one of the smaller islands that like she says like there's no big city. So like the tourists who come there are not quite as, Mm -hmm. as touristy. Like there's still plenty of like touristy. Like we obviously look at her picture collection and look at who she interacts with. But like, I think that, it's really interesting to see because like this Lilo and Stitch came out in 2002 Mm. before uh, all of this Lilo and Stitch came out in 2002 before like it was kind of better known that you don't go to Hawaii. Like, right. Like before they have stopped, started asking like, please stop coming here. You're ruining everything. Or at least before white people started listening. Right. Exactly. I'm sure people were asking. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah, before white people actually like started listening to that and like to have such a, I think they did a really good job of having like such a good like picture of what Hawaii could look like Mm. if we get rid of tourists. Totally. And like have like a pretty strong native population Mm -hmm. within their community. Um, 
And I really appreciated like how brown this movie actually is. Totally. Because I was really scared that it was just going to be Lilo and Nani when mm-hmm. I like when you think about the idea of it. Right. Because um, I like coming back to it, I was like, I don't remember. I remember yeah. there being tourists, but like right. how, but like it's pretty brown and it's very like, it could be have be rooted deeper in their culture, but again, it was made in 2003 and is made by Disney, so right. it's going to be what it is. But, like, I feel like there was enough, like, there was good, like, bits of, like, Hawaiian culture that, like, really seeped into it. Like, all the hula is so well animated. Totally. And there's, like, little bits of pigeon thrown yes. in here and there. And um, did you notice, maybe I'm just more tuned into this stuff, that Nani is, like, beautifully code switching between when she talks to... No, I don't. I totally Native grabbed it. People, even so, the scene that makes it is like really vivid in my head is when they get the first visit from the social worker, uh-huh. and she's like through the dog door uh-huh. yelling at Lilo. And as soon as she like gets pulled out of the dog door, like it's, immediately her tone changes, yeah, and she switches to like really you know clean standard english there's also a when she is at her job with david talking to david after his set yeah before she talks to the manager and they're like the queer clear switch there right. is really good and i think you can see it a little bit too and in, in the scene where she's looking for jobs right and she's going from like place to place especially to place. when she's talking to the older people yes you can see her switch like even further for, yeah. into the like hawaiian thing to kind of like speak on their level it's yeah. really really cool it's really Really cool and I think it's really well done and I was really appreciative of that because like that's like such a little thing that you don't really think about right. especially if it's not something you're used to doing right. but to have it so flawlessly thrown in there and like not even like I didn't catch it as a kid but looking right. at it now I was like oh, you're doing the thing right I, and because the the actress who plays Nani is native Hawaiian right and I guess she put in like she had a lot of input on the language stuff like that oh good um so yeah i mean it makes sense but yeah it's it's really cool to see we don't get to see like disney characters code switch very often you don't i think i guess we'll get to see princess and the frog i would say how much uh tiana does a little bit but right I think that's our next. That's a movie that deals with class a lot, too. It that does. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, but first, we have to talk about the anti-Semitism entangled. Oh, yeah. I have capital F feelings on Mother Gothel. Yeah. Um, but. But also just the racial politics of the whole story of, like, um, you know, the, the threat of Lilo being taken yeah. away from her family and the context of. Native people having their children taken away and rehomed into white families for one under one guise or another, whether explicitly to make them more white or just by chance because of systematic oppression. Yeah, which like watching this movie again, it was really hard because it was like Nani is 19. Right. She is 19 and suddenly a mother to a six year old. Right. Like that's a huge change right and like grieving your parents as well as well as trying to hold it together for your little sister who's clearly very autistic and depressed and dealing with a bunch of mental health issues that like you don't know how to deal with because you're 19 yeah like plus i read that um this isn't in the movie but i read this somewhere that 
Nani was like a pro surfer. That checks out. And that's why like when the whole family goes surfing, she gets kind of sad because it's like she had this really promising career. But right. Now she has to stay home and take care of her obviously diff- like autistic and difficult sister. Yeah. No, like especially like, I was thinking about that. Like you're 19. You're just leaving home. You're just kind of getting your independence, especially like if you had something like a career in pro surfing, like you'd only last so long and you right. can't go back to it. Right as easily and to like have that ripped away in such a traumatic way totally is just gotta to be... like lose everything yeah in a single moment when you lose both your parents and then to have to like totally 180 degrees shift your life to do something you had never ever imagined yeah i like can't even no i mean i yeah it would be I'm surprised she's holding it together as well as right, she is. Right, right. Yeah, like really when we get to the end where she has the breakdown, right, where she's like um, – Where's my Where sister? Lilo gets like, you know, kidnapped yeah. by the aliens or whatever and she just – she's like, where? Like what do I have to do to get my sister back? Right. It's like that's really crushing like because that's, that's her whole world. Right. Like, that's all she has. Oh, left. I cried watching Lilo and Sitch this time. Like, oh, I cried a bunch. It hit so much harder as an adult. And there were so many different moments that I was just like absolutely heartbreaking that like didn't register as a kid, like the severity of it. Yeah. Cause like it just wasn't part of my world. And right. like, I also like, I think also working with autistic kids and more now, like seeing my students in Lilo and like being like, those are the kids I'm protective of. Like right. these and like having to like, cause you know, I do have kids that I worry about their home life and like have right. to like think about that. And like, as it's a really interesting line of being a mandatory reporter but also like having to know the sign like what are actual signs and like Mm -hmm. when do you actually call or when do you say anything right because like what's cultural what's not because like i have two white kids in my class of six right and i have to learn and like my kids don't a lot of my kids don't communicate in classic ways sure so getting anything out of them, if we have any suspicions about anything, is impossible. Yeah, right. But yeah, having watching Lilo and Stitch this time and like having a deeper connection to Lilo, like at like knowing that I'm autistic and knowing like how and seeing how clearly autistic she's coded really made a lot of things hit click. Totally. Like, um, I remember finding like I remember all of her little bits being funny as a kid. Like right. her like her friends the voodoo dolls and the pickle juice mm-hmm. or the like pudge the fish or scrump. the scrump or her obsession with elvis i was like oh mm. these are quirk cute little quick quirks these are cute little quirks but now like seeing them through an autistic lens i'm like oh yeah this makes really this this checks out these right. are interesting special interests and of course yeah um of course if your friends weren't being shitty to you you should give them a pickle wash and a voodoo dolls like in terms of like voodoo doll punishments i think pickle jar is pretty mild it's pretty mild but uh can we just appreciate that lilo was quick enough to get home from her dance class and nail the door shut before her sister came home yeah that was quick like damn yeah that's she, that's she's not she does not have long legs <laughs> she is a short little thing. Uh, yeah, there's just like there's so much bef- 
for, from both Lilo and Stitch, there's this like really profound feeling that is very much a neurodivergent feeling of like not fitting in and not understanding why. Right. Right. Like yeah. Lilo tries over and over and over and she just wants friends. Like yeah. she just wants a connection, but she can't understand why people won't accept her into the group and like things it's seem the same to her it right. seems like, like she's doing everything right the whole scene after her dance class with the dolls like she's right, like exactly. she has a doll like why is it different why is it different why does it matter what it looks like it's the same toy right but like yeah having yeah, that that's like the most quintessential neurodivergent experience yeah like i have the thing what am i doing wrong like what am yeah. i missing that you all have and how do i get it so we can just be friends yeah the feeling like the isolation and the feeling lost bits of being neurodivergent and like not knowing it and having Mm -hmm. to deal with a neurotypical world were like did not expect to hit this hard in a Disney movie. Right. But like between Lilo and Stitch, like his Stitch is kind of like, you kind of got like two different types of autism. His Stitch right. is also could be coded as autistic if totally. he was more human. But like, you know, he doesn't understand social structures. He doesn't understand, you right. know, like what's going on around him and is, you know, does the only thing he understands, which is, lash out yeah and it takes another neurodivergent person to explain things to him that he gets it and it's just like oh some of us are just different yeah just fit in different places and finding like having that found family of like that's why we're drawn to each other is because like neurotypical people just don't get it and like having the opportunity to like not have to not have to filter yourself or censor yourself or like being able to just like be openly autistic would not have to like worry about like people autistic people just understand you and don't right. have to like translate yeah um it's so much nicer than having to translate yourself all the yeah. time yeah um but yeah it i think the because like even with stitch as like a character i think it's really interesting of having this like idea that you are created for one thing and when you don't fill in that one thing what do you do right because like how many of us as kids are like pressured into like oh you grow up you you follow the standards right. you do the like you go to school you get a degree you get a job you get a house you get a kids whatever you're yeah you know and then for all of us who were just like but why right or don't fit that for whatever reason and then having to be like what do i do now right or because we're millennials right like you try and follow all the rules and do all the stuff and still you're not successful you don't fit in you don't feel comfortable you can't achieve the success that was promised to you because it's no longer available in this country so you just are left feeling like a failure even though the thing you were told to do the thing you bet your whole life on was like following the rules right and it turned out that was nothing. Yeah. So like n- what's left? Now what? Yeah. Um I think it's really interesting and I think I'm very curious to see how this translates into when they make the live action remake. Yeah. Because I think 
there are so many good subtleties and like conversations being had in this movie that could get looked over. Yeah. Um, and to just like make a funny hijinks movie. Yeah. Um, I'm really worried they're going to make a funny hijinks movie. They're going to make a funny hijinks movie and it's going to, but you know, I don't understand why they're making so many live remakes of things like money, money, right? Come up with a original. Also, have you seen the images of the stitch from the no. new Google? Look it up right now on the podcast. I want your live reaction because it's upsetting. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Ah, uh, no, thank you. Yeah, it looks fucking terrifying. It right? looks so scary, and like the scale is all wrong. Yeah, it's supposed to be. He's supposed to be like cute. That's just yeah. terrifying. I don't like it. Ugh. No. Like, it's cute as an animated, like, the whole, so I was reading through um, some of the production notes, and, like, one of the parts about getting this movie pitched, one of the conditions of getting this movie made was that they wanted it to look like the head storyboard artist's um, art style. Right, right. Like, it was specifically that style and his art that, like, inspired the entire look of the movie. Right. I heard that he had to have, like, a boot camp to yeah. train everyone to draw in his art style. Yeah, which... That's really cool. I want that would be such an interesting experience. Right. Also, like how versatile of an artist are you that you have to learn other people's styles, like yeah. as a storyboard and animator. That seems That's crazy. Incre- seems super crazy. But like to have like the style so uh pivotal to the making of the movie and then to turn around and make it into something that horrific. Yeah. I don't like it. It's weird. Plus, like Stitch is like that really good walks that line of like alien cute really well. Right. And, like, I don't think you can, you obviously can't do it live action because it's terrifying. No. Well, just every time, like, we try and make a CG live action, like, cute thing. You know what it reminds me of? Sonic. I was thinking Sonic. It reminds me of the terrible Sonic the Hedgehog. Or Pikachu from fucking Detective Pikachu, which is a movie I genuinely liked, but I had to, like, hold my hand over Pikachu the whole time. Yes, I genuinely liked the movie, but the animation is just, ugh. Yeah. Like, some things are meant to stay animated. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with animation as an art style. Or we need to wait for the CG to get better. Right. Because right now it's in this, like, this uncanny valley where it's really, really good, but it still looks, like, too, like, slick and bright Uh and wrong that it... It's like almost makes me seasick to like see a human voice coming out of a monster. (laughs) I get remaking the Disney princess movies as live action. That makes sense. Like, yes. Especially some of the older ones have some troubling stuff in them. Yeah, like Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, that makes sense to remake. Aladdin. That one kind of checks out for me. Yeah, a lot. I don't, I actually like the Aladdin live action. It's not terrible. And it's revitalized the Broadway show, which is interesting. Um, but it really is like, I feel like it's a real slap in the face to animation as an art style and like how much work you put into that animation studio to flip around and start doing all these live action remakes instead of like investing in your animation studio and which has been making you money forever. Yeah. It feels like a real slap in the face to like the Disney brand, like the Disney model, like to hand, their history. Hand animation is the thing that built the house of Disney. Yeah. And to just then be like, okay, well, we found 3D animation and it's cheaper and we can mostly pay like programming farms in Korea to do it for us super cheap. 
Yeah. So we're just going to fire all of our animators forever. Okay, bye. Yeah. No, it's it very much feels like you forgot your history and are just like taking Looking over whatever money. Yeah, which like post I mean it is a capitalist hellscape of course they're looking for money but also like when you have a corporation that is so secure like Disney is mm-hmm. like why not lean into the quality of things instead of the quantity of things yeah because like that's what people like you for well and especially because like they're only gonna remake the successful movies that have already made a ton of money right like that's how we know that they're not they're not doing it because they want to make those movies better they're no. doing it because they want to cash in on them again because you know what movies deserve live action remakes atlantis and treasure planet right the two movies that bracket this one in the disney oeuvre that like would make way better live action animations they're largely like human based you could hire human actors like and it wouldn't be weird cool world building yeah you just have some like weird ships and stuff you have to i mean if we can do treasure planet with or if we can do treasure island with muppets we can do it with treasure planet with cg like that's not a problem yeah uh but yeah like it is frustrating to like kind of see everything remade especially because it is clearly like what made us money the first time around and what can we squeeze more money out of right because yeah treasure planet would be such a good live action remake. it would be so good and so would atlantis yeah yeah we were just i was just watching wakanda forever Uh uh-huh this morning yesterday or this morning and it totally made me feel like oh this is this is how we should do somebody should do an Atlantis movie. Yes. Like this is like halfway to a good Atlantis movie yes. already. Just uh, just make it, please. Just please. It's so good. And they're oh. and it's like especially right now, it's such a good storyline about like colonizing through uh, you know, ancient history. Right. And like it would be so good. And you could have so much fun with the art style. Yeah. And there's a whole fucking language already written for you. Right. But yeah, uh, it's frustrating. In the, one of the runners in our Disney series has been tracking noses. Yes. Because we have this grand theory about what the nose of a character means. Right. About. This movie, like we talked about, has like a vastly different art style than it any does. other Disney movie that we've seen so far. And the characters are drawn in such a totally different non-Disney way that almost no one who's not an alien has like a little button nose. No, everyone has noses. Everyone it- has like a real nose. And most of our characters, because they're native, like they have like a big wide flat nose yes and it's fucking spectacular it's wonderful and it's gonna be a long time before we see another real nose on a main character it's gonna be a a hot minute it's gonna be a while and like i really i think like this era of disney they kind of got to play around with their animation styles a lot more like because the animation styles between treasure planet atlantis and lilo and stitch are vastly different totally um and i really think it's really interesting and i love the animation style of lilo and stitch i think it's it's really beautiful it's really beautiful and i think it does such a great job capturing the beauty of Hawaii. Mm. And like, it's, it was one of those, like, I really wish you could go. Cause I really want to go. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not. And it's, yeah. All the, the backgrounds and everything are all like watercolor. Yeah. So it has that really lifelike kind of variation in color. Yeah. Where nothing is like smooth. No, they really brought back like some of the watercolor backdrops and like really pulled from like Disney uh, history of those, like, 
uh, painted backdrops, which I think is really pretty. Um, it was really cool. I also just like the way, since we're talking about this art style already, like I like the way characters move. Yeah. Like, I don't know, Disney characters in like classic sort of Disney animation style all kind of walk like they have books on their heads. Yeah. Right? Like they're, they're practiced. Right. Walking upright and like they sort of walk like marionettes a little bit but the characters in this movie especially the scene where like Nani is running home to try and beat the social worker the way she like you can see her body move when she runs yeah she like dodges around the car like she has this very like fluid she lifelike movement that like I've never seen in a Disney character and then Lilo and Stitch both have this really sort of like squat yeah pudgy round like movement style that also is like not something we see a lot it's really cool it's really cool and i think a lot of i think some of my favorite bits of animation are like when you see them hula dancing because they're like the movements are so fluid and like they look like hula dancing and you can tell that they took time to like study the forms and like make sure the bodies were moving the way it was supposed to instead of just like throwing a disney animation like exactly this would have felt really weird and stiff yeah if it had been like classic disney animation style no i think it's really cool and i really like how and i think it also helps with the surfing totally and like all of like i think just like all you can like the elements of movement that you needed were more fluid and i like that they kind of just like pulled it through the entire movie and just embraced it totally yeah okay but the galactic federation is just star trek right i know that's my literal first note in here is like oh this is set in the same this is set in the star trek you know it's just star trek (laughs) wait that would mean canonically this would be like the first contact wait the federation is a human i take it all back it's not star trek because it's too early for start for the federation (laughs) to be formed right because the federation is a human construct yeah no but like even the logo is very like very very, like oh to star trek yeah I never caught that as a kid. No. But then, yeah, I was watching it and I was like, oh, this is so. Galactic At the first, Federation. I was like, oh, ha, ha, this is Star Trek. And then I was like, oh, no, this, this is, is Star, Star Trek. Trek. <laughs> Which, I mean, we've I know ta- we have this joke about how everything is Star Trek. But, like, it's such a pivotal part of science fiction totally. that, like, everything is Star Trek. You kind of can't make a space science no. fiction thing without acknowledging Star Trek. No, you can't. Sorry, Star Wars nerds. Star Trek is more fundamental. I think you're right. Honestly, it's like this is going to sound like some uh, like elitist bullshit. But like the older I get, the less connected to Star Wars I feel because it's like it's fine. But sort of on repeat viewing in terms of like moral and intellectual rigor, it's pretty flat. Yeah. My theory, I'm not a Star Wars person. Like, I never really, like, I was a little, like, my parents weren't Star Wars people. I was too young for the Star Wars. Like, it just, like, wasn't something that, like, really, I didn't get really get into science fiction until I got older. Yeah. Um, I was a huge fantasy kid. Anyway, as someone who has seen, like, who got into science fiction and saw both as an older person where I could kind of, like, analyze it a little bit better, my theory is that Star Trek stands up better because there's more intention in the world building. Right. Like, don't get me wrong, Star Wars is super interesting and, like, 
totally. I think the problem is though is George Lucas gets too distracted and like builds his worlds too big, right? And like doesn't think of the continuity throughout it, right? Where with Star Trek you have like a with because of the nature of the Federation you have a base, right? Set of like constructs and like social rules and mm-hmm. communication and whatever that you can translate into a world building and right. you can use to world build but it still connects better and like keeps you more engaged. And also I think Star Trek has always just been on the forefront of like moral issues and like social uh, societal issues and just like fully like been like, now fuck you. We're going to make this a better place. Totally. Um, I also think that made me think that um, Star Trek and Star Wars are a little bit, this is not a perfect analogy, but it's fun to explore anyway. Sort of the um, Star Trek is autistic storytelling. It has rules. Yes. It, it you know, follows a pattern. Yeah. High it sense has, of justice. It has a, a, right, high sense of justice and fairness. Like it has a central base to return to. Star Wars is ADHD storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're sort of building the track as you go, and if whoever's telling the story were to be blooped out of existence, the story falls apart because it's all in their head. Right. And they're just building it as they go, and that person is George Lucas. Yeah. But it doesn't have the same kind of, like, base set of rules no. and assumptions and characters like, and, and places. Yeah. Like, there are... I grounded in the world. Do you want to do a lightning round? Let's do a lightning round. The thing I remember most about this movie is the advertising. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. And it was ridiculously. I loved it because it was most of it was just like stitch crash landing into classic Disney moments, which like solid pot, like solid joke. Right. Um, But like, I remember it being like everywhere. Yeah. It's funny because, yeah, we were talking about Treasure Planet and this movie and Treasure Planet came out the same year. And I remember I was this is 2002. So I was like peak perfect Disney territory. Right. And I remember, I swear, on like the Disney Channel, like every other ad. Oh, my God. It was was everywhere. Stitch. And I think. Maybe in those like six months before Treasure Planet came out, I think I saw two Treasure Planet ads. Like I don't remember seeing. A I Treasure literally Planet remember ad. like the song and like that's the, fair. The one thing from the trailer of him like on his little kite board, yeah, in the stars with the song, and yeah. I was like, oh, okay. okay, what is this? Like, how am I supposed to like this? This also looks like a space thing, but it's not just... super clear what it is. Yeah, but yeah, the Lilo and Stitch, I remember like, yeah, it was all over Disney Channel all the time, and I swear like... It, again, and it was even like it was in the interstitials. Yeah. It was like they did those little like creepers on the bottom yeah. of the screen. Like Stitch was everywhere, everywhere that year. Like you could not turn a corner without that little blue face. Uh, there's a kid in my school who has a Stitch hoodie. Yeah. I want <laughs> Does it. it. have the ears? Yeah. I want it. <laughs> I want That's it so amazing. bad. Okay. But Nani was such a big early crush for me. She has no right to be so The gay <laughs> panic I had as a child the, for like, Nani. The Bermuda shorts and the like the boots. And the crop top. And the crop top. Oh, Get out of here. It's not. That is also a bisexual woman. That is 
Like, don't get me wrong. We love David. David is a wonderful human being. Yeah. That is a bisexual. <laughs> yeah. The boots really sell the it. The boots, right. Yeah, it's the boots. Um, Speaking of David, I love David. He's so supportive. He's so supportive. Like, one, he, like... He jokes around with Nani about dating her him, but like he never pushes. Right. And he's just like, you know, like down to be friends or whatever. Two, he knows that she's a package deal with her sister. It yeah. is never a question of right. like, why do you have your little sister with you? And he engages Lilo and is friends with Lilo right. and like talks to Lilo like she's a human being. Totally. And he's just great. He's great. And he's so supportive and knows like the whole like you're having a bad day let's go surfing like yeah scene just like and the fact that he only keeps pursuing nani because he finds out that she is in fact into him right there's just a moment where he's like that's fine yeah like whatever but then lilo's like lilo's like no it's fine she likes you she's just like stressed (laughs) she likes your fancy hair and your butt I love it. It was so good. Okay, but please, can we t- we need to talk about the queer uh, couple icon that is Pleakley and Jumbo. Oh, because yeah. that's T for T right there, and I will <laughs> die on that hill. Totally. Yeah. I didn't put that together, but a hundred percent, it's a T for T couple, and I will <laughs> die on that hill. But Pleakley's outfits throughout the entire movie are just iconic. Yeah, they're great, spectacular. I love all their wigs. <laughs> okay is stitch just a natural amp like is he just because whenever he plays the ukulele he's gotta it's, be it's amplified it's electrified it's gotta be it. something in this physiology just like amplifies everything yeah i don't it makes me a little bit crazy it does speaking of amplifiers the scene where he's being the record player mm-hmm. i swear it was a different song when i was a kid I don't think so. Really? I swear it was a different song when I was a kid. Maybe. Also, there's a scene where in the beginning when Nani's chasing Lilo after the social worker and she yep. hides in a pizza box. That was a dryer when we were children. Yes, it definitely that was, was a That was not dryer. a pizza box. And I'm sure they changed it because kids went and hid in the dryer. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I like watched them like, that's wrong. That... Especially because there's a scene earlier when she comes in the back door that you can see that it's the washer uh-huh. and dryer, but it's just in that one scene that it's a where pizza it's box. a cabinet with a pizza box. It's so funny. It's hilarious. Um, I just think we need to hit on the, maybe this is a thing that didn't read as much for you, but a big thing for this is like on top of being neurodivergent, Lilo has the additional stigma of being from like a non-traditional family. Absolutely. Or from like a, a broken family or yeah. whatever. And like whether or not you know it, kids can like smell that stuff. Yeah. Right? Like my parents are divorced and like kids can like kids are vicious feel that something is off about you even if they don't know what it is yeah and they're so quick to be like no you're weird i can't tell why but i can sense that you're weird and i don't want anything to do with you yeah kids are vicious and like i think it was so i think it's amazing that you know we have such I, i think it's good representation of having like a different family dynamic and like having it you know in question 
because of the nature of it, but like showing that it is still strong and that like your family is what you make it and right. it doesn't matter what it looks like. Right. And I think that was such an important message, especially like in the early 2000s when like divorce is kind of becoming more acceptable and is like more common than and talked about and a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.